Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today, we've got a crazy story of getting revenge against a big shot casting director. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. The story starts, I may never understand what people mean when they say, do what you love and it won't feel like work. I think that's a lie. I love filmmaking and I love the movie industry, but I've never not thought of the process of getting up at 6am to open the office and then rushing out at 8am to get coffee for the management staff as anything but work. In fact, I don't think I could be more stressed about working closely with film's biggest star makers than I currently do. Don't get me wrong, I would have done everything short of selling my laptop to get here a few years ago. But that was then and this is now. Not even the manuscripts I held so dearly on that laptop can convince me that this career is worth anything anymore. And that's not because I don't like the manuscripts anymore, it's because cloud storage is now accessible and I don't have to worry about my laptop going missing. But I'm getting off track here. I went from being a straight A student to being called unkind names by teenage superstars. And that was okay. I went from practicing diligent skincare nightly to using hot patches to relieve stress aches midday. And that was not a problem. I even went from being able to use a thumbtack correctly to having PTSD at the side of a needle because my boss turned a whole container of thumbtacks over on the rug and I had to pick them up because, do you expect me to use these multi-million dollar deal signing hands to pick stuff up from the floor? Get to it now. And that was okay. But if someone asked me to pinpoint the exact point where I decided that I couldn't do it anymore, I'd say it started when my boss asked me to get a cup of coffee for him. I know you're probably thinking, it's just a cup of coffee, it's not a draft form to fight in Afghanistan, but at that moment it may have well have been. When you work in an industry that drives itself on engines of caffeine, making repeat trips to a coffee shop is not a surprise. In fact, it gets to the point where you and the baristas have a secret code, and all you have to do is flash a specific color of sticky notes for them to know your order and that can be fun. But what isn't fun is running out of the office at full speed to buy your boss the 10th coffee of the day and it wasn't even 1pm yet. What happened? Well, an actress, who shall not be named because I still need to be able to get a job in this city, decided mid-season that she didn't like the way the script was going and she was either going to walk out of the production or the writer's room was going to bring something that she liked. And that wouldn't be a problem, except for the fact that she was the literal face of the show, and marketing had spent nearly $200,000 plastering her face on every legal, and some illegal, surfaces on the city. And that was only the state budget, which I and the office assistants were allowed to see. Thinking of what the international marketing budget was makes me break out in a cold sweat, but yet again I'm losing track. Anyway, this diva moment happened at the worst time, and my boss who was definitely not my favorite person in the world, became the worst person alive. Don't ask how I know, but he was going through a complicated divorce. If complicated means your second wife finding out you're cheating on her with your stepdaughter's college roommate. So, um, yeah, complicated. And the celebrity in the situation was his star signing of the year, so he was very stressed. And as always, I was his moving target. 
So there I was, 11am on a Tuesday and feeling like life couldn't be any worse as I placed online orders for 16 slices of crust-free, gluten-free, and just about everything you can think of free bread, some freshly grown and farm-to-table avocados, and a bunch of fruit I wouldn't even attempt to name because one of the actors shooting that week was on a strict diet. Life was good, or at least good enough. Then I heard the intercom beep, and there was nothing different about that sound, but I should have noticed something in the air, because that was when things got way worse. I need you to bring me a venti cup of coffee, half whole milk, one quarter, one percent, one quarter non-fat, extra hot, one and a half shots decaf, two and a half shots regular, no foam latte with whip. I know you know, but that's a reminder. Also, tell them to add a touch of vanilla syrup and one short sprinkle of cinnamon. Emphasis on short. And I couldn't blink for a full minute. When my friends and I trade stories about our work horrors, I always come in second because Trisha's boss gives her a lunch menu every week and still orders something different every time the poor girl asks. But this? This was a whole new level of mental. Sir, are you okay? Probably the worst question to ask, but it demanded asking. Did you not just hear me? Bring me a venti cup of coffee with half whole milk, one quarter one percent, one quarter non-fat, extra hot, one and a half shots decaf, two and a half shots regular, no foam latte with whip, a touch of vanilla syrup, and one short sprinkle of cinnamon, stat. The last part roared so loudly down the speaker that I didn't realize I had jumped out of my seat until I was reaching for my jacket. I made quick work of the trip to the coffee shop and said a quick thanks to the man up above for making the line short. Kathy was working the order line and she was one of my favorites. Hey Tarantino, what can I get you? No, my name is not Tarantino. Almost everyone who's held a conversation longer than five minutes with me, which means not my boss, knows that it's my dream to create movies as genius as Quentin Tarantino, and that explains the nickname but I could only brace a small smile as I regurgitated the absurd order. Kathy's eyebrows shot upwards, and I told her I couldn't explain. Props to her, though, because ten minutes later, I was run-walking out of the store on the way to put out a fire. And that's when the countdown started. The countdown to when I realized that my boss might be an outright maniac. But I hadn't realized it yet. You know how people say you should never meet your idols? Well, when I first met my boss, I didn't believe that. Because he's a big shot that makes other big shots in the industry, we'll call him Mr. Big Shots. Now, Mr. Big Shots is a casting director and producer, basically a film legend affiliated with one of the biggest studios in Los Angeles. And because every epic director needs the right cast to bring scenes to life, it's only understandable that I looked up to him and sometimes tried to see what he saw in audition tapes and movie pitches to convince them that everything would turn out greatly. And they did, up until a few years ago. Before I sent in the application to work at this nightmare of a studio as an assistant to this nightmare of a boss, I had thought the very ground Mr. Big Shots walked upon was gold. But then, a few weeks after walking to the glass doors of the ground floor, I overheard some of the people from the recruitment team talking about how hard they had to work to find the right type of potential to work as assistants and interns for the top guys. You see, the top producers, writers, and directors affiliated with this studio had a trend. They would look out for people with potential and zero opportunity, much like myself, and then offer them a grass-to-grace position dangling buzzwords like career growth, practical experience, industry exposure, 
and other fanciful nonsense to convince us that this was the best we could get. Then, these success-hungry people would pick our brains, ask the right questions, and use all the value we could offer to get the reputation they had. So they were talent hunters that kept the talent in the background and instead chose to hire only the most popular faces to pull off those great ideas that didn't even belong to them. Mr. Big Shots had kept his previous assistant for five years, which were the years featuring some of his best work in his entire career. But a global filmmaker discovered a secret production site run by the said assistant last year and was able to pay off Mr. Big Shots and the studio to release the assistant who may as well have been a trailblazing director for all her talent. And that's when I understood that you should really never meet your idols. It was also the moment I decided to stick it out and learn all that I could while offering no real value. I had the ideas and opinions, but I worked hard to look as gullible as I could be and, because they had made the contract ironclad to ensure that any assistants couldn't leave the studio without paying a hefty fee, and they were so certain they were hiring only the best potential for the wrong roles, Mr. Big Shots was stuck with me, and his bad sense of judgement, or rather, an absolute lack of it. But the thing with past glory is that it still casts a favourable gaze on everything you do. So despite the fact that he was making really bad judgements, for context, the diva actress that kickstarted this whole mess, Mr. Big Shots was still regarded in the high ranks of Hollywood, and I think that made him feel invincible. Whereas people like me, lowly assistants as he called me not once or twice, and directly to my face, people like me were considered to be disposable cups. You may hold some value, aka coffee, forgive the bad analogy, but when they were done with you, and whether or not they respected whatever you had to offer, you would be inevitably crushed much like the now empty cup of coffee in Mr. Big Shot's hands. After I delivered the first venti cup of coffee with half whole milk, one quarter one percent, one quarter non-fat, extra hot, one and a half shots decaf, two and a half shots regular, no foam latte with whip, and a touch of vanilla syrup and one short sprinkle of cinnamon, with blisters on my fingers from a splash incident as I raced up the stairs, Mr. Big Shot's had collected the cup, walked over to the adjoining toilet in his office, and slowly poured the coffee into the basin. You see, these were all my efforts into this production in this studio. Down the drain, he said, staring at me eerily from the door he had left open. Of course, I could empathize with his frustration, but what did any of it have to do with me? As a matter of fact, when I'd stolen a glance at the pilot script for the show, this actress, who shall not be named, was one of the first faces that came across my mind as a no way in heaven nor heck to be cast in the lead role. But with no shade in my boss's performance, both as a producer and a casting director, I wasn't surprised when he decided that she was the perfect choice for the role. So while my opposition was wholly mental and not voiced, after all, you would need to be granted an audience in order to voice a contradictory opinion. I still felt very put off by the fact that he was using my actual efforts in getting that complicated cup of coffee as an analogy for his lazy work ethics. Why couldn't he just order a simple large cup of coffee and then give the dramatic speech? As if he heard my thoughts, Mr. Big Shot spoke, squeezing the styrofoam cup in a way that would have landed him in jail if it were a human or living thing. My efforts aren't as simple as a plain black cup of ground coffee beans. No, not at all. I put in the sweat, hours, and money to find the best P- 
uh, ideas for the studio. And what do I get in return? Liar, liar, pants on fire is what I wanted to say, since I caught a slip up about using money to find the best people to leech off of, but instead I chose to remain quiet. And then, Mr. Big Shots, aka the devil with a Ferrari that cost more than my entire family's insurance policy, flushed the coffee-filled toilet, trashed the crumpled cup, walked back to his desk and said, get me another cup. Now, shocked doesn't even begin to cover what I was feeling. Sir? Maybe I was dreaming and he didn't really mean I should get a repeat order of that coffee from the throes of heck. I don't pay you to be deaf. My therapist says it's good to externalize my emotions. So get me another cup of coffee. Same order, right now. And you can't blame me for wondering if there was a way I could get away with murder at 12pm. On my fourth trip to the coffee shop, Kathy asked, Should I still hold on to the card or do you think he's done for the day? If I tell you I had a right answer for her, I would be a horrible, horrible liar. Not because I didn't know Mr. Big Shots' schedule, and that he should have started the slow, antagonizing one-hour prep it takes for him to leave the office, but he had made no progress with any of the situations. Not the actress threatening to leave a show mid-production, nor his soon-to-be ex-wife who, from a very loud phone call I overheard, was now sleeping with the pool boy. And to be honest, I can't really blame her, the wife, not the actress. If Mr. Big Shots was even a smidgen of the person he was at the office when he was at home, I can imagine the living heck she would be in constantly. But I couldn't really think about my boss's personal life when I had less than two minutes to race back with an absurd order of coffee that wasn't doing anything. But at least it wasn't adding more fuel to the fire of the situation. So I just answered Kathy as simply as I could. Do you know how many aspirin pills it would require for someone to sleep for a long time? Maybe she thought I was joking, but Kathy only laughed and handed me the cup saying, I think I'll be seeing you soon. And she was right. Mr. Big Shot's coffee dumping and money-wasting trips to the toilet were becoming shorter. And if I had to guess, the screaming riders on his office landline were not a rainbow on the situation either. We told you she was not the right choice. You said she was an angel, but this is purely demonic. Would she even know a great script if it wore a clown costume, did the worm, and blew a fanfare in her face? I think not. I almost laughed at the last one. Almost. But I remember that paycheck was still a day away, and that reminder came just in time for me to disguise a cough in the sleeve of my jacket. Mr. Big Shots, as always, was oblivious to the world around him, and was frantically dialing the number of his therapist because, and I dare to repeat this word for word, something is throwing the energy of my success radar off balance, and once I know the right affirmation, I can fix everything. Yeah, sure. If by fixing everything you mean confessing to your own failure, of course I didn't say that and I chose instead to retreat quietly to my small cubicle office outside his door, thankful for a brief break. The relief of resting my back on the leather chair at my desk was short-lived because, not even two minutes later, Mr. Big Shots was bellowing my name, bellowing. Yes, the sound is just as annoying as the word itself. I rushed in and resigned to tackle whatever situation had sprung up, but I could not have been prepared enough for the sight in front of me. All seven styrofoam cups, ghosts of coffee undrunk and flushed, were spread out on the rug in the middle of Mr. Big Shot's office, crumpled, desolate, and deflated, much like how I felt to be honest. 
I willed all my energy to look up from the array of cups and raise a single subtle brow at the man who was looking less like my boss and more like a torturer. He was smiling, and I knew that I was about to witness what worse could mean in my life. Pacing, Mr. Big Shot starts, I just got off the phone with Yala, my therapist, and I believe that I'm about to make the shift that I need to get clarity and get rid of all this nastiness. A quick glance at the very unnecessary and highly obnoxious modern grandfather clock in his office told me that the time was 3pm. Two more hours of regurgitated psychobabble before I could clock out and regain some sanity. At this point, I was holding on for dear life, but Mr. Big Shots was nowhere near the point of summoning me. He went on about how terrific his therapist has been throughout the navigation of this phase of his career. And side note, you don't need a psychology degree or any type of interpersonal communication experience to know that whoever this therapist is, they already know the right beat to play for these Hollywood fancies. And Mr. Big Shots was dancing to the tune big time. But in a few minutes, I would realize that I was the one being forced to dance. Finally getting to the point of his summoning, my boss said, According to Yala, externalizing my negative emotions is not enough. I need to recreate the beauty from the ashes. So you need to cut up these cups and create something aesthetic. The auditors will want to see proof that I actually spent so much on coffee without any large party meetings today. So get right to it. I had no words. I could only stare at him, then at the styrofoam littered floor, then back at him. By the third time our eyes met, a light bulb seemed to go off in his head, and I thought he realized how crazy he sounded, but he only dug out a pair of plastic scissors from his desk, and I was playing the stair game once again, first him, then the scissors, then the cups. And I don't want to sound dramatic, but I think that was the first straw that really sunk into my hypothetical camel's back. I could visibly see the energy flowing out of me in huge waves. I may not be the biggest optimist in the room, and knowing what I did early on in this job may have killed a lot of the starstruck effect for me, but I always stuck it out because that's exactly who I am. The type of person to see everything to the end, whether or not I know the outcome. It's the same reason why I didn't dump a steaming cup of coffee with ridiculous order specifications on Mr. Big Shot's head. Well, that and the fact that I probably would be drowning in a pile of lawsuits and debt before I could even open my mouth to say, optimism. I had a large threshold for patience, but this order was well beyond my limits. I considered my options for a minute. I could scream out and cuss him for making me wear shoes with two-inch heels because Hollywood's all about carriage and I had a natural slouch that made him look bad in meetings. I could rage and fling everything on his desk in disarray as payback for that time he made me use a wood polisher to add shine to his mahogany desk, doorknobs, and drawer handles. But I didn't do any of these, knowing well and truly that an avalanche was building up and it promised all the satisfaction I would need for a perfect revenge. So I bent down in my two-inch corporate male shoes and got comfortable on the hand-stitched rug as I took the scissors and launched my attack on the first cup I could reach. 30 minutes, 7, I wish you would drop dead, 4 haughtily asked, are you not done yet? Later, I had successfully cut out the bottoms of the cups and carefully split open the cylinder of the cup to spread it out in a flat lay. My knuckles were hurting, my back was hurting, and my neck had lost all feeling. Exhaustion didn't begin to cut what I was feeling because frustration was taking the lead outrightly. 
After the last unanswered, are you done yet question, Mr. Big Shot got up from behind the desk where he had folded and placed his ankles. There's a lot of things I can't stand about you, you know. You refuse to wear pants that don't look like khaki or a distant cousin of khaki, and you never seem to have any brilliant ideas. But right now, the thing I can't stand the most is the sound of that styrofoam. Yala says to embrace the sound, but I just want to claw my eyes out. All I could do was stare as he ran his mouth on and on. I confirmed my suspicion that Mr. Big Shot didn't like me after he saw me taking notes during a pitch, and I claimed to have lost them at the bin when I went to grab lunch for the conference room. But this was the most he had ever actually said to me, and he wasn't done yet. I think I'll go for a short drive in my Ferrari, maybe around the block, clear my mental workspace and find some inspirational fresh air. If anyone calls my extension, tell them I'm brainstorming in isolation. I simply nodded and before I could blink twice, he was twirling his car key with his index finger. So while I spoke to seven angry board members from the studio trying to figure out the stickiness of their present situation, my boss was taking his latest purchase for a spin. A fiery red Ferrari with custom silver rims totaling $500,000, aka more money than I could have if I saved all my income for five years straight. But there he was, Mr. Big Shots, driving around the block and getting some inspirational fresh air while I attempted to fold origami with shredded styrofoam cups. And then I finally lost it. I had a plan. A solid foolproof plan that was going to work seamlessly. Does my confidence seem over the top? Yes, it probably does. But remember that I had consciously downplayed my own intelligence for years. I was sparing no angle in getting the perfect revenge. I was going to have Kathy call his extension line, pretending to be from his credit card company and claiming that his credit was low, and therefore his cards would have to be deactivated. Now this may seem quite small for the melodramatic buildup. But when you consider the fact that Mr. Big Shots relied on his credit card like an oxygen tank, you'd understand that the likelihood of being stranded and unable to use his money to bully a poor waitress or convince more Hollywood investors to fund his dumb ideas was not a reality that Mr. Big Shot could bear to live in. It was the type of thing that was sure to break him. And I was so confident that my plan was going to work that time flew by. And by the time he got back to the office, there were three origami pieces waiting on his desk and a patient assistant, which would be me, waiting outside the door. It was all I could do to stand still as the excitement of getting revenge was giving me happy jitters, but in a trend that should be familiar by now, my boss opened his mouth and I knew that my day was ruined. Well, that was certainly refreshing. There's too much toxic energy in this office anyway. Strike one. I hope you've completed the task. I'm feeling very centered and I need to visualize that before closing for the day. I know your type doesn't necessarily understand the creative process of being in my position. Strike two, take my keys. I couldn't figure out how to park my Ferrari because the valet was on a bathroom break when I got back from that refreshing drive, so it's just sitting out front. Leave a scratch on it and I will end you literally. Strike three. Mr. Big Shot had officially succeeded in doing only two things, wasting time and breaking the last of my patience. Anger doesn't really describe the way I felt when I first realized he had ruined my great revenge plan, but excitement is not large enough to describe the joy when I realized that he had landed an even better revenge pitch in my lap. 
How ironic that I had more foresight than someone who had spent two decades making movies. But that wasn't the time for gloating. I had a task to complete for my boss, and if I had any luck, he was going to lose his marbles alongside a huge chunk of payment for bodywork repair to his precious Ferrari. I took the keys he was dangling in my face, marched to the ground floor, and entered the Ferrari with a flourish I didn't even know I possessed. At that moment, I didn't bother to stop and think if I'd ever driven anything like the Ferrari. The only thing on my mind was the 30-inch wide pole in the underground parking garage of this studio. I put the car in drive, navigated my way to the parking garage and stopped at the entrance, relishing in the moment and enjoying the thrill as the steering wheel hummed under my fingertips. Then I drove straight for the massive pillar swerving sideways at the last minute to make only the passenger side of the car bore the brunt of the contact. Then I reversed back to the entrance and did it again and again until there was barely any room left that wasn't crushed under the pressure of crashing into concrete. Then I opened the compartment where I knew he liked to keep loose change and I walked all the way to the nearest bus stop with a smile on my face. I don't know if his insurance coverage means that I won't have to pay for damages or appear in a court case, but I crashed my boss's $500,000 Ferrari and I enjoyed doing it. I don't know OP's overall situation and their background, but uh, I don't think this is a situation where you can just get on a bus and ride away and get away with doing something like this. I'm willing to bet Mr. Big Shot had some kind of insurance that would be able to cover the fixes and repairs on his Ferrari, albeit expensive. And for OP's sake, I'm going to imagine that there's going to be some kind of legal court summon that'll appear in their mailbox at some point. Unless OP's going on that bus and going into hiding somewhere. Good luck to OP. I mean, I get it, Mr. Big Shot drove OP to the point of absolutely snapping having to put up with that. But this definitely is not going to be something that you can leave in the past. This is going to be haunting OP for a while. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was even more insane than this one, click on that left video, or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 